that, um, you may have noticed uh, the prayer training that we're doing uh, October 22nd. The slide was up. We'll probably put it up a little bit later. But um, in, in, in the heart of that, we are going to, for the next three or so weeks, focus on a series um, uh, targeting prayer, just looking at the Bible, investigating and saying, okay, what does the scriptures say about this wonderful gift called prayer? Uh, many of you don't know, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but my wife and I didn't come to Cambridge, Massachusetts to plant a church at first. At least that wasn't the plan. Um, 15 or 16 years ago, we came uh, with the intent of planting what is probably more theologically known and biblically known as a house of prayer. If you don't know what the house of prayer is, don't worry about it. Don't stress it. You know, Isaiah talked a little bit about it. Jesus referenced it um, in the Gospels. But it's essentially, and we're going we're gonna to iron out these details a little bit over the course of these next couple of weeks. But it's basically just a place where we focus and seek and pray to the Lord. And that's essentially what me and Bethany came here uh, uh, seeking to establish. And, and, and prayer has always been something that both her and I, uh, we don't just mess around with as pastors, you know. We, we don't just like pray five minutes before the service hoping that God's glory, you know, kind of breaks in and like, you know, he does his magic, you know. No, like we, we and I don't, I don't believe God does magic, just, just this little disclosure, okay, <laughs> sorry. It's, um, but, uh, but, but we are real intentional and, and, and fully believe that the primary uh, um, uh, expression of the church, okay, should be prayer. And so um, before we get into those, um, those weeds, we're going to start off and just kind of dealing maybe with some issues in our own heart regarding prayer. Anybody have any issues in your heart regarding prayer? I have plenty of them and I love prayer, but um, uh, man, I have my doubts and I have my, uh, uh, my fears and concerns. Will God answer me? All those things. And so I think before we kind of get into, okay, what is the house of prayer? You know, you're going to hear words like building a culture of prayer, all that. I think we just do some, some maintenance in our hearts. So we're going to trust the Lord for that. The text we're going to be in today is James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It should be on the overhead, but James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Here's James. He says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Okay, kind of a heavy text. Like, all right, just, just, just separate me from the author, okay? I'm not James. This is James. This is his words. This is the inspired words of, uh, uh, given to James by God, right? So, hey, just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the sharpness of it this morning, and I felt the sharpness of it all week as I've looked at my own heart. You know, when it comes to prayer, I, I first and foremost, is, I'm so grateful for this gift. I really look at prayer like that. I mean, think about it for a moment, if you can. If you can let your mind go there. God wants us to talk to him. 
I got like three people that that really hit them and the rest of you are like, just like, what am I having for lunch? But we're talking about the creator of the universe, right? God wants to talk to us. I mean, right there, let's just close our books, take that away with us for the week and just meditate on it. The creator, God, Yahweh, has formed and fashioned a language. Now, you know, if you've ever been to a prayer meeting, it really is a unique language, right? I mean, if you've ever heard me pray, you're like, wow, I've never like, you know, or my wife, have you ever heard Bethany pray? And you're just like, wow, like, I've never heard somebody talk to God like that. It is really unique. It's, it's, It's so unique that in it, we get to express and bring our joys, our sorrows, our concerns, our complaints, our hopes and fears, etc., our anxieties, up to God. God, God, with words. I mean, the simple fact that God would want to hear us is remarkable in and of itself anyways. Like, he would want to waste his time and just, you know, you know I got nothing else to do. What's going on in your heart, Daryl? Yo, you got some joys? You want to share with me some victories? Okay, oh, come on. Go ahead, let it, let, you know, that is amazing. That is remarkable. But as remarkable as it all is, prayer is also one of the most underutilized tools in the church today. It is. My old pastor, who I served under 12 years in a little church in Brentwood, New Hampshire. Don't worry, you probably don't even know where that is. I don't even know if sometimes God knew where that was, but... We, no, he knew fully where it was. Okay, just a little joke, okay? I'm sorry. But my old pastor used to say this to the congregation, man, you call a prophet to town for a meeting and the church would be full, not a seat left, wall to wall, right? Just people waiting to hear the man of God. You call a prayer meeting and you may get two or three people you may get two or three people, maybe one with some, you know, hunger and two kind of like, I've just, I've, I've come hoping that I get hungry as I pray, but, but it's true. Now, now, in all honesty, much has changed for the good regarding the ministry of prayer. And it really has in the last 20 years with ministries like IHOP and 24-7, Pete Craig, and, and so many others, a lot of good things have happened in the ministry of prayer. But prayerlessness still impacts and affects the church today in significant, substantial ways that are are quite sobering. Listen to this poll that uh, Premier Christian News did. They found that Christians are less likely to pray than those of other faith groups. Just under 38% of Christians polled were likely to pray regularly compared to 52% of other faith groups. This is remarkable, right? Remarkable, maybe that's not the right word. This is is sobering. This is very sobering. And I I have to wrestle with my own heart because you know what? I I think I make up some of that 38%. You know, I think in my own heart, I wrestle. I I struggle uh, sometimes with even the desire of wanting to pray. And there's a couple reasons. And I've tried real hard throughout the week to really focus in on those what is my struggle? And I've, I've come to realize that my struggle with prayerlessness ultimately is the result of unbelief and doubt. Wow. Yeah. That's mine. I mean, it may not be yours. You may have something different, but for me, 
the core of why I struggle to sometimes pray has to do with unbelief and doubt. I really fit in well to what James warns against here in chapter one of his book. I have massive doubts, right? When it comes to actually believing God that when I pray, he'll answer me. And I have some reasons for that. I have some real reasons for that. Essentially, I'll pray I'll have this, you know, mustard-like faith just bubble up. It's, I don't even know what a mustard seed looks like. It must be super small. But, but something like that will kind of rise up within me, and I will pray some of the most weakest mustard seed-type prayers and, 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 and see nothing materialize. And so that has caused me to somewhat doubt that, that God wants to answer my prayers. And, and the idea is this, this, this affects like future times when I'm faced with maybe similar situations. And the attitude is, is if God didn't do it then, what makes me think he's going to do it now? And why should I even pray? And I'm going to give a brief testimony of this. Uh, you know, being in the ministry is a journey of faith. I've been in full-time ministry now for, I, I don't even know, I maybe... 16, 18 years longer. I don't know. My wife has been in it even longer. And, and not only all of those years, excuse me, have been pastoring. But, um, you know, it, it's a journey of faith. And, and there's been moments within this journey where, um, specifically in the area of finances, uh, things aren't adding up. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we all have those kind of stories. But um, I think three times, maybe in the span of 18 years, there have been three times where I've kind of stepped back and said, okay, God, what are you going to do here, right? Like, uh, we're a little short, you know, we racked up some bills here, God. Uh, we're, we're not being irresponsible, we're just trying to live life, but, you know, we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, and, and we got to that crossroad of just wondering, God, what are you going to do? And in those moments, you know, I, I, I would have just a little bit of faith that, Pray for God's supernatural provision. A little bit. But two out of the three times, never saw it. Never saw it. And so it kind of resulted in me, um, fortunately, my brother-in-law owns his own construction company. I just would go work with him three or four days a week, bring in some extra finances, pay down that debt, and be good. But um, recently, uh, we just adopted. And, you know, adoption has been so wonderful for our family. It, it has really been, I don't know, I, I, words fall short. We are just so in love with the season and this little boy that we get to call our own. Uh, from my son to me to Bethany, I mean, we, it's just a great, great season. Uh, it's largely a season full of unknowns, you know. This is water we've never charted, you know. We had some indicators, you know, we did our research, we tried to educate ourselves as much as we could, but you know, I feel like you can never do, you know, enough of that stuff. There's always, you know, there's always loops, there's always things that you forget. Well, not only is adoption fun, has it been a good season, it's also super expensive. It is super, super costly. And we, in adopting our little boy, ran into some more financial issues. And again, I, I, I came and I brought my prayers before the Lord. But this time, I realized that if I, if I kind of picked up some part-time work, that 
church might suffer a little bit, you know? Like if I take myself out of the demands and what I'm having to do and the roles and the responsibilities that I have here just to do some, you know, part-time work to bring some extra cash into my uh, family, uh, it may not work out so well this time. And so I I prayed the most pathetic, weak, like I I was even embarrassed by them, okay? I was like, surely God, these prayers are pathetic. If you hear them, I, I, I know you're real. Now, of course, I know God's real, but you know what I'm saying. And um, I, I kind of gave God a couple weeks to kind of like, hey, you know, show yourself strong here, Lord. Supernaturally provide. Three weeks come, that was my limit. Nothing happened. I'm getting ready to call my brother-in-law. I feel a, another check go off in my heart. Pray. Pray, trust in me. I start praying again. Weak, pathetic prayers, right? And I'm like, I'll I'll give you one more week, God. That's what I got. And then I'm calling my brother. I'm going to do this thing. And um, it was like the middle of that fourth week. Something weird started happening. (laughs) Something not weird, but so good started happening. Um, Just random people would come to my wife or me and just say, hey, the Lord puts you in our hearts. Um, we feel like we're to give you this. God blessed us and, and we wanna bless you with this. And it, it was so staggering and such a, um, I don't know, a, 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 an encouragement to me. Uh, and, and guys, I, I'm not just talking about a little money. It, it, there was, a, there was a, a, like seven different people that had come to us with, with just sacrificial generosity. And I really took it as a means to just say, God, you heard my prayers. So this is what I learned. What if because of unbelief and doubt, I didn't pray for God's supernatural provision? What if? I would have missed out on testifying on God's ability to provide Jehovah Jireh. The wonderful people who were so generous towards our family may have never gotten the chance. Maybe they would have, but who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have, but they would have never got the chance to hear God and respond in such gracious obedience. I'll tell you for that, I will always pray weak pathetic prayers, maybe, maybe laced with a little doubt and unbelief, but man, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I personally believe that unbelief stems from, for me anyways, and I think for a good majority of Americans in the West, stems from what I call the luxury of immediacy. Most of us have been blessed with this luxury, the convenience of immediacy in the West, right from Amazon to, to fast food to the internet to the way that we give and get and receive information, it almost feels that everything is so readily available to us with little or no delay. And I get confused sometimes because I'm thinking, you're God, you should be better than Amazon, right? And of course he is. Guys, I'm just, I'm being vulnerable, right? I mean, 
and he, and he is, but he doesn't necessarily work like the McDonald's drive through It's not just the way it goes. And I know that when it, you know, we laugh about this, and I know none of us believe that to be true, but I, I sometimes think that even without knowing it, I live like that is true. Like, God, you could be a little faster here. And, and this is why I, I know I live that way, because while I'm in that kind of waiting period of just seeing what the Lord's going to do, I become very impatient, very impatient, very bothered. Uh, sometimes I wonder, and, and, and I got any other Christians that do this too, how can I get the same results that I'm praying for without waiting on God? Like, is there any way I can, you know, I don't know, just, I, I don't even, I mean, I, how do you explain that? Is there any way I can just get the same results that I'm praying for without actually having to wait on the timing? Or God's timing. So unfortunately, not only will unbelief and doubt hinder our prayer lives, but impatience will as well. Janet Oaks said this, impatient, impatience excuse me, can cause wise people to do foolish things. Let me read that again. Impatience can call, cause wise people to do foolish thing. I want to tell a funny story. I know I just did, but this is um, a funny one. And, and again, I'm kind of putting myself out there because uh, I am the subject. I am the person that this funny thing happened to. And, and it's about impatience. Um, years before I uh, started full-time ministry, I worked for a union company um, out in New Hampshire. And essentially our job was to oversee safety on highways as workers went out and paved and, and, and kind of maintained the road. Um, we had to kind of like um, abide by OSHA rules so that everybody was safe and nobody was in threat of danger. It's a very dangerous job. It's actually like the third dangerous job, I think, in America. Um, we were just starting. I was like in my third day at the job. And, you know, you got to kind of prove yourself that you can handle, you know, the work and the hours, because it's a lot of hours. It's during the night and all the way into the morning, you're just grinding and doing work before the morning rush hour. And um, I think we had just worked like a 13-hour, 14-hour day. And um, my job, as well as my friend Robbie, uh, was to drop off uh, a one-ton pickup and a 1,200-pound compressor, um, and then we could go. Uh, so we were driving back to what they call the pit, it's a, it's a location near the job site where we kind of just store all the equipment that we're using for the job. You know, uh, rollers, I mean, pavers, all, all of those kind of things. And we're going to drop off the one ton and the compressor. Now, I don't know why this is the way it is, but you have to actually, you know, uh, unhitch the compressor, put it in a different location than you put the one ton. You just can't leave it hooked up for the next day. It's weird, but hey, that's the way they like it. So that's the way we do it. We're driving and Robbie gets a call from his wife. And I'm kind of at this moment, I'm tired. It rained a little bit that night. I'm cold. I just feel spongy. I'm like, I want to go home. I just want this day to be over, okay? So <laughs> we're driving to the pit. And Robbie's just talking to his wife. It's like 5.30 in the morning. I'm like, who talks to their wife at 5.30 in the morning? Anyways, uh, and they're carrying on a conversation. We pull into the pit and Robbie's just like, hey, hey, Daryl, listen, I'll be out in like three minutes. Let me just finish up this conversation. Don't 
unhitch the compressor. We, we kind of kind of park it on a slope. Don't unhitch it without me being there with you. You're gonna need my help. I'm like, okay, okay, Robbie. I don't even think I heard him. I was just so tired. I was like, I don't just want to get out of here. Anyways, he pulls in and I'm get out of the truck and I start doing what? I start undoing the compressor. And I'm thinking in my head, I just leave like one safety chain connected, right? That's all it takes is just one safety chain and we'll be okay and I'll just wait for him to come and we'll be that farther ahead. Anyways, he um, takes him a little while and, and, and the one chain that I left on snaps. <laughs> yeah, and it starts going down the slope and I don't know if it was just exhaustion, like mental exhaustion, physical exhaustion. I actually thought, like, like I thought I had superpowers at that moment because I'm thinking, man, I could grab this thing and, and prevent it from going down this slope, right? I may weigh like 190 pounds. This thing weighs 1,200. You know, it makes sense, right? I mean, it's not gonna take me. I grab it and I hold on to it as if I'm going to prevent this thing from falling down this slope. Well, I don't let go, I hold on and it takes me with it. And I hold on right to the bitter end. It's probably like a 12 foot, 14 foot slope down into this marshy wet area. And I'm just holding on, going down the slope. It hits bottom, I'm like, up to my waist in water. I cracked the compressor. I got a big knot on my head and I'm like, great. We're not going anywhere for another five or six hours while we try to work this one out. But in patience, in patience, all that just for this point. In patience makes things worse, friends. It makes things worse. We see this all the time in scripture. Men and women who are always trying to force God's hand to just move a little faster, God. Just your timing, God. You know, you gave me this promise. We, we need this now, right? And we know what happens in those stories. It does not end well for those people and it will not end well for us. If we're gonna lift our prayers if we're gonna lift our needs, our concerns, our fears, our hopes, our plans, our desires, our goals to God, then we should be patient while we wait for his answers and not impatiently trying to solve them and push them along ourselves. Edmund Brooks said this, our patience will achieve far more than our force. I'm sorry, our patience, not our impatience. If, I, if you're listening, I said impatience. No, our patience will achieve far more than our force. Listen, doubt and impatience are silent killers to flourishing prayer lives. If we're gonna talk in these next couple of weeks about building a praying culture, then we first need to deal with the silent killers that exist in our hearts. Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe for you, you kind of view God as this kind of stoic, you know, kind of stay away from me. I want nothing to do with you kind of God. You know, I, don't, I got no time for you, right? You may see him as an angry, you know, kind of up there in the heavens, just waiting to see, you know, who he can take out, right? Because he's just, 
he, 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 he dwells in an approachable light. You know, he's just ready to judge the world for their sins. Maybe that's you today. Whatever the case is, whatever it is that keeps you from really putting your faith, your trust, and even your prayers lifted to God, I'm gonna encourage you guys, as I'm doing uh, this week and will continue to do throughout the next three or four weeks, I'm asking the Lord to examine my heart. I'm asking him, what stands in the way? You know, I, I don't want it to be said of Hilltop Church that, man, we called a, a, a meeting with the right personality in the church, you know, the right guy who just got this big following and everybody came, right? I don't wanna be that kind of church. I, I want just as many people coming to hear the prophet as there is coming to pray to God, to seek his face. Come on. That's, that's the kind of church I believe Christ wants to build. And we know this because he's clear in the gospels. He said, my house, right, shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Can you imagine Jesus at that moment, if you're familiar with the story, could have could have titled, could have branded the church in any way by his words in that moment. He could have said, my house shall be called a house of healing for all people, right? My house shall be called a house of salvation for all people, you know? But no, he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Listen, God wants us, young man, young lady, God wants us to talk to him. Let that be the energy and the fire that fuels like your intercession. God wants to hear my voice. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for these people. Lord, often I think as a pastor, what would be your response, Jesus, if you walked through these doors? you see God what would you do how would you react to what we do in our version of church what would it be I think like that God oh Lord are we the prayerful people that Jesus prophesied about in the gospels Lord are we that church who first and foremost are dedicated to prayer and seeking your face? Are, are, are we about lesser things, God? Father, I pray that through the course of this next three or four weeks, God, that you would align our hearts with your son, Jesus's. Lord, as we get into the details of what a praying culture looks like and what the house of prayer looks like and theologically what all this means, Lord, as we get into those details, Father, I pray, Lord, that it would be more than just a nice um, intellectual stimuli. God, I, I pray, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us an impartation of intercession through the next three or four weeks, God, through our, our training, God, I pray that the spirit of prayer would lay a hold of our hearts in Jesus' name. Father, we don't want to just mess around and play games, Lord, with prayer. We want to be the house of prayer, the people of prayer that Jesus declared in the Gospels. And so, Lord, do an awesome work in us.
these next couple of weeks. Do an awesome work within us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we're going to bring things to an end here. And um, as always, um, when we dismiss, um, the altar is open. If you need prayer for anything, um, it could be unrelated to the teaching today, but man, whatever it is, if I realize that there are hundreds of, of needs represented here in this audience. And if you've come with a need, you've come with a broken heart, maybe a broken marriage, maybe uh, some health issues, whatever it is, this, this space is open and will be open. There will be people here wanting to pray with you. So don't leave without prayer. Um, in addition to that, if I haven't scared you too much, um, the info center is open. If and you just you're like, I want to find out a little bit more about these people. You know, I kind of like what I'm hearing, kind of like what I'm seeing. Well, you want to go over there to the info center where we can give you some more information and connect you to this community of faith. And then um, we've been, I think, for the last three weeks or two weeks or so, trying to raise money for uh, a youth retreat that we're going to be uh, taking here soon uh, to Utica, New York. We went there last year. It was awesome and, and good fruit was born in the lives of our uh, teenagers and such. And so we're looking to do it again. There's some awesome, awesome treats over there. They're just asking for a donation. Listen, there's, I'm just little disclosure. There are some pumpkin whoopie pies over there. I know the lady who we had them specially made. Okay. They, they're specially made by a, by a rock star. I don't, what do they call people who make those kind of things? Baker. There you go. Thank you. Easy, right? Why did I miss that? But they are so good. You might want to just get two. I'm telling you, you will sink your teeth into one and you will never be the same again. But uh, go over there and bless our youth so that we can send them uh, to Utica and, and, and have them enjoy this wonderful conference. Um, with that being said, just want to again, as, as we journey through the next three or four weeks or so, talking about prayer, if we could put just that training slide back up on the overhead, I just want to draw your attention. Listen, all the things that we're going to preach and teach on these next couple of weeks, we get, the, listen to me, we get the privilege of actually working them out, of actually not just preaching prayers like, oh, it's a good idea, it's in the scripture. We actually have a vehicle in which we can live this thing out intentionally in the house of prayer. So, man, I imagine that many people here, even before this service, your heart has already been stirred for prayer. If in any way, man, your heart burns just to be a prayerful man or a prayerful woman, I want to turn your attention to this training. RSVP, get there. My wife speaks. Lily's there. I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. Your hearts are going to be stirred. And, and better yet, your feet are going to be planted in God's house of prayer. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I, I've taken enough of your time. You guys have a great day and even a greater week. And we'll see you next. Come bring a friend next Sunday as we talk more about prayer. Altar is open too.
Journey. 